Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun today and in the weeks to come. Um, but uh, I just I got to tell you a couple of things before we before we get rolling today. First of all, my parents are in the back. Um, say hi to Chuck and Bess. When I was a teenager growing up, Dad said he hated my music because it's just racket, and that theme has continued through this day. Um, he still thinks the music is racket, and he got as far back as he could, and I forgot to give him the earplugs. Um, but because, you know, they've been married 60 years, and it's been a little rocky, they drove all the way from Borger for this marriage series so that they could get something out of it, apply it to their lives, and, uh, and move forward. Um, with the new building, I just got to tell you, some of you have gotten our email and some of you haven't. Uh, a week ago Friday, I was uh, talking to the banker and it looked like everything had just kind of shut down as far as the building stuff was going. And, and I said to him, so only an act of God. See, we were supposed to close tomorrow morning. Well, Janie and I are going on vacation. We've had a cruise planned for, for several months now. And, uh, and I said, only an act of God would would cause us to close on Monday, October 15th. And the banker said, yep, that's, that's right. And so I'm, I'm actually sitting on a tractor on Thursday in the middle of nowhere and uh, can't get my cell phone calls. And I saw that Ryan had called and there was a message. And when I finally get to where I can get reception, Ryan says, uh, dude, we're closing tomorrow at 3 o'clock. I hope that's okay with you. And uh, I said, yes, praise God, that's okay. We actually about... Four weeks ago, we started praying that we would close on October 12th, Friday, October 12th, so that we wouldn't have to worry about this. And so we just want to give God the glory because there was stuff going on that we couldn't see, we didn't know. Yeah, just give give God the glory for that. Um, But we just kind of wanted to give you a little bit of a a preview of what's going to happen in the new building. Um, Alex, go ahead and put that up there if you would. No steeple. We're not steeple people. We might put, you know, a car or a motorcycle up there or something like that, but um, that would be more like us. Uh, If you see where it says Sandy there, that is going to be the nursery, and this is actually the entrance to the building right now, the the way the entrance is. What we're going to be doing is we're going to leave those doors there, but that's not going to be the entrance. The entrance will be over here on the side. Uh, This is all of our children's areas, so the nursery is here. Janie, she has uh, up to toddlers where they're actually walking to three years old. When they get to three, they graduate and go over to Danielle's class. Uh, Danielle has up till first grade when they get into first grade five-year-olds. So when they go into first grade, then they go over to Jennifer's class, and she's got first through uh, fifth grade, and sixth graders start coming in here. Now, go back to the big picture. Uh, We'll come in on the side. Here is, this is going to be our entrance. This living room is kind of going to be where we have breakfast and, and drinks and, and all of that type of stuff. We're going to put in some new uh, men's and women's restrooms. And then the worship area, to, to kind of give you an idea, the living room square footage is as big as this room. So that's, that's what we're going to have for kind of a, an area where you can get your coffee and juice and all of that stuff. And then the worship area, uh, we'll have a stage and all that. This is to scale, and that's 300 chairs in the worship center. So you see, we got room to grow. Uh, we, we tried to design it where we could double in size and have no problem with that. So we're excited about it. And I'm so excited that I'm, I'm going on a cruise tomorrow. Because um, there's no way, no way I was going to reschedule the cruise. Janie's been counting it down. I have too for, for about six months now. We've been counting down, going on carnival.com, and it tells you only 180 days until your cruise. And so... 
Tomorrow we go. We'll be back next Saturday, but we are going to have some work stuff going on this week. Uh, Hal and Charlie are out of town right now. They'll be back tonight. They're going to oversee the stuff that's going on, so be sure and sign up back there and let us know when you can come. And um, one of the things you have to do, if you're married, you do not get to decide by yourself how much time you spend working on the building. You must consult your spouse. If you don't, we will. And and, um, we don't mind flogging you if you... uh, don't consult your spouse and you get in trouble. Because how can we have a marriage series of Build Stronger Marriages if you spend all your free time at the church and then your wife hates church and we're not going to do that. So, anyway, all right, let's talk about margin today. If you were here a few weeks ago, we were talking about financial margin. And in a few weeks, we're going to actually give you step by step how you can have financial margin, how that cannot, how that can no longer be a problem in your marriage, how that you won't have fights over money and stuff like that. But we're going to talk about the idea of margin in general. And uh, margin is all around us. We're going to talk about that. Let me, let me show you a slide here and tell me what's wrong with this slide. No margin, right? So it spills over. Some of you have marginless pieces of paper. And I actually heard a couple of you pick them up and say, I'm not taking that one. Give me a real one. A real one is one that has margin. Because the problem with margin is it's too busy. It's confusing. Uh, if you don't have margin, if you write in the margin, then that's going to cause problems and it, it bothers your eye and it, and it bothers you. Now, I don't know if you watch any of those extreme sports things. How many of you watch extreme sports on TV? Now, I was watching on the news the other day because I'm a big news guy, and, and there was this dude, it was an X Games type competition, skateboard. He was going to go down the biggest ramp I've ever seen for skateboarders. And I thought, no way is that dude going to go down there. But he did. And what the idea was, he was going to go down the ramp, he was going to fly up, he's going to do some massive trick, and we're talking thousands of people are there, and this was on ESPN, one of the ESPN 18, I don't know, one of the numbers of ESPN, and, and everybody was going to be awed when he comes down. The problem is, as he, as he goes up, the reason he made the news happened. The ramp is about 30 feet high. He goes 20 feet above that, do the math. 50 feet above the ground. The idea was he was going to do this trick, come back down the ramp, and everybody's going to go, ooh and ah, and thunderous applause was going to happen. Homeboy goes off the ramp, and immediately you know something's wrong because the skateboard goes this way. He starts flapping his wings, and he's not successful at all. Dude comes down, bam, with a thud, and everybody was just silent because it was grotesque watching this guy, the contortions of his body when he hit with a thud. I mean, all the way 50 feet, boom. He lays there for a little while, gets up, and, and I mean, he ends up being okay. He was bruised, and I think he may have had a concussion. You know, people, people are carrying him off, and he's waving, I'm okay, I'm, you know, that type of deal. It's like he's okay, but, um, but he really wasn't. And uh, what, what struck me was, we have this type of society where people have to do crazier and crazier things for us to watch on TV. You know, we got guys swimming with great white sharks, with nothing on and they're feeding them, you know. And, and as a guy, we're watching TV and we're seeing them, you know, play with alligators and lift them up. I saw them going to murky water one night with these flashlights and stuff and they're tickling the alligator and lifting it to the surface. And, you know, we watch this stuff and, and there's something about a guy that says, you know, no way am I going in there. That dude's nuts. But if someone's going to be eaten by a great white shark, I'd kind of like to see it. Um, I mean, that's just, that's just the way guys are. And what kind of people are we when, uh, when our entertainment is people 
on the edge where they have no margin for error. None whatsoever. What, what does that say about us in society? It's kind of fun to watch that on TV from the safety of your living room, thinking, I'm not doing it, but, you know, if he's going to do it, that's okay. But let me tell you when marginless living is no fun. When you see a marriage that has no margin for error, careening out of control, and it destroys the whole family. That's no fun. When you see somebody that's been on the brink of uh, bankruptcy for years, they're on the edge and you know, you know it's going that way and suddenly they go over the edge and it destroys their lives and they lose, lose everything. That's no fun to watch. We are a bunch of marginless people and uh, if you don't have margin financially, if you don't have margin with your affections, if you don't have margin with your time, it's going to spill out on everything in your life, everybody in your life. You see, God designed us to live with margin. God is a God who, if you do it His way, He will lead you to margin. And, and what, what we don't realize is margin is all around us, and we like having margin. Let me just give you some examples of that margin. Let's say you're standing in line at Walmart, and some hairy dude with B.O. violates your personal space. What do you do? You pull back to get a comfortable margin between you again. When you're on the, 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 the road, do the lanes on the highway, are they exactly the width of your car? No, we want margin. If you're driving and I'm driving, I want us to have lots of margin on that road. Because sometimes people will squeeze my margin. And what do you think I do when they squeeze my margin? They drive too close to me. I don't salute them or anything like that. I may say a, choice, a few choice words, you know, dipstick, something like that. But what I, what I naturally do is I pull back to increase the margin so that I feel comfortable. We are people that like margins. I don't like roads that have no margin. You've been on some of those, those single lane roads where there's room for one car at night? I don't like those kind of roads. I want lots of space, feet and feet of space. Some of you are, are marginless sleepers. How many of you can just snuggle and fall asleep? Let me see your hands. You are freaks. Um, when Janie and I got married, I had a, we had a uh, queen-size bed. And man, I've, I'm all for the snuggling until it's time for bed. And I actually had to put pillows down the middle to define the margin. She'll tell you this is true. We got a king-size bed. I still snuggle with my pillow. and Because she's cold-natured, I'm hot-natured. We do this thing where we'll hold hands and we'll talk. You know, sometimes we call it a slumber party because sometimes that's the only time we can talk. We'll have this slumber party. We'll be talking and uh, just for hours at night after the kids are in bed. But we have this deal when, when we cross the moisture barrier. Because, like, if I have skin on skin for any amount of time, it doesn't matter. I'm going to start sweating. And I'm like, baby, I, we have crossed the moisture barrier. Or now, you know, after 16 years of marriage, she's like, I feel you sweating, you know, that type of deal. And she just puts up with that. Margin is what's left over. Margin is getting someplace early. Margin is having money left over at the end of the month. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> Margin is having enough emotional energy to deal with your spouse and your children in a healthy way. I hear you groaning. Yeah. Don't worry, this steps on my toes too. That's kind of why we chose it. There's something in all of us that longs for margin, and that's because God, 
God built us that way. He created us, designed us with this desire for margin. And if we don't achieve margin, there's three things on your listening guide. There are three negatives that you do not want in your life that happen. First one is stress is high. If you've got no margin in your life, stress is high. As the margin shrinks, stress goes up. You ever tried to catch an airplane and you're running late? Got 30 minutes to get there and you're sitting in a traffic jam because the morons in front of you don't know how to drive? And how low does their IQ go? Actually, their, their IQ decreases while you're sitting there in line because your time is running out. What, what happens to your heart? What happens not only physically to the heartbeat that you have, but I mean to your heart, your kindness for other people as you're sitting there and you got 15 minutes to go and 10 minutes to go and five, four, one minute to go. It's not a pretty sight, is it? Stress goes up when there's no margin. And, you know, we have, we have these cars. I was watching NASCAR last night and kind of got into that a little bit. I, it's kind of funny because I never have liked watching racing on TV, but... But, you know, this chase for the championship kind of got my uh, attention. Jeff Gordon was leading, so I was watching that. And I was thinking about these RPMs. Cars are designed to run at certain RPMs. But what happens if you run at 9,000 RPMs for an extended amount of time? What happens? Car go boom. <laughs> I was in a car years ago. It's kind of funny that Mom and Dad are here today. because I, I was in a car going back from Borger... <laughs> To, uh, no, they know this story. I, this isn't. A lot of times they learn things they wish they hadn't learned when I'm telling sermons or whatever. But but this one they know about because I was in a car going from Borger, Texas, up north of Amarillo, back to Waco to Baylor. My friend was driving, and um, I didn't know he was driving in low. And we were moving along at 75 miles an hour. And he goes, "Doug, your car's running funny." And I looked over. And I said, "Cause you're driving in low." And like a brilliant auto mechanic that I was, I shifted into drive. Cargo, boom. <laughs> Twice. And I'm not kidding. <laughs> and he goes, what was that? And I go, I don't know. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. And then we got no RPMs. So we coast to the side of the road. 75, we're making great time. It's 9 o'clock on a Sunday night, 30 miles south of Wichita Falls. If you've ever driven on 287, you say, there's nothing there, 30 miles south of Wichita Falls. Three miles back, there was, a, there was a gas station. So how fast do you think we were going once we blew the engine? Foot speed. As fast as our little feet would carry us. There's four of us. There's two girls, two guys um, going back trying to get to the gas station so I can call Dad, who's five hours away, and say, what do we do? I mean, you, you sometimes say there's no time, you know. But what happens when the engine blows? You've got lots of time. We made it back to Waco the next morning at 10 a.m. We were going to, we expected to be there by midnight. We got there at 10 a.m. because we had to catch a bus. Uh, if you, if you run your life with no margin for error, there will be a breakdown and suddenly you will have time on your hands. You're designed to live with margin and when there's no margin, stress goes up. And, and if you, if you don't do something about that, your life will unravel, your engine will blow. And the mess will spill out everywhere. Well, there's a second thing that happens if you have no margin in your life, and that is your focus narrows. Your focus narrows. We might be the sweetest, kindest, most thoughtful person in the world when there's no pressure. But shrink the margin, raise the stress level, and what happens to our personality? We forget others. We become self-centered. And the stress level um, it 
forces us into survival mode. And when I'm trying to survive, I don't care if you survive. I can't focus on you when me is all I see. Right? So when, when I'm in that situation, it's not pretty. And um, there's no room for both of us if I don't have margin or if you don't have margin. So who's going to get shafted when I have no margin? You are. Well, that leads to a third problem with marginless lives, and this is the whole reason we're talking about margin in our marriage series. Third problem is relationships suffer. Families, marriages are destroyed if we live for an extended amount of time with no margin in our lives. When you have no margin, what happens to your, no financial margin, what happens to your blood pressure when the, an unexpected expense, expense comes up? Braces? How can we afford braces? And you start to yell at your spouse because the genetic flaw that causes crooked teeth must have come from her side of the family. Right? Y'all are laughing because you've done it. Um, You yell at people because it's their fault. When you're overworked, underpaid, tired, and late to church, what happens when the children start fighting in the back seat? You go boom. And... um, And isn't it funny that we have this nuclear meltdown on the way to God's house? Because there's no margin and it's our fault and we yell at our kids. Have you ever, you know, if you're parents of young children and you're late to something that's important to you and they try to click the the seatbelt for like the tenth time, how do you react? Sweetheart, I know that you're... you're, um, your ability to handle your extremities is not great right now because you're just a child. And you have no idea why I'm being a jerk. Get the seatbelt clicked! <laughs> so we're, we're really nice people when, when we have no margin, right? When errors occur and you got no margin for error, what happens to you? What happens to the people closest to you? You treat them like dirt because nobody else would put up with you when you act like that. And your family suffers. So as margin decreases, the health of our relationship decreases, and we rob people because we don't have the energy to give to them. If you're married to someone who who has no margin, you ever been around them when you don't seem to have their undivided attention? You're telling them stories. We've got some amens going on out here. You're telling them a story, and they may be even nodding their head at the appropriate moment, but they seem distracted. And if you were to say, repeat what I just said to you, this look of fear would come over their eyes because they can't do it. That's what happens when you have no margin in your life. There is something competing for your attention, and it's not long before those who love you the most realize that this other thing that has your attention is more important to you than them, and you are on thin ice. That ought to be this huge warning signal that that your marriage, that your relationships are in trouble because you can't focus on the people that matter to you the most. You can't um, be intimate when you have no margin. Busyness is actually the enemy of intimacy. You can't nurture your kids when you have no margin. You can't listen when you have no margin. So the result is that we have marriages that are failing, Due to lack of margin. We have kids who are choosing the wrong path in life because their parents have no margin for them. And a child, when they become a teenager, 
If you have no time for them, they'll find someone to fill the time. They'll find something to fill that void because you didn't have time for them. And so we are just people with marginless lives and we proceed Sunday after Sunday as if nothing were wrong when it ought to be this huge, huge warning that something is wrong. Have you ever said these words? Look at these words. Anyone? Truth-telling. You said this? I just can't deal with this. What we really ought to say, what this really means, is this phrase. Got it? I have no margin. That's what we ought to learn to say. Because that's, that's really what's happening. When you scream, I just can't deal with this, it means I have no margin. And see, if you're a guy, this especially applies to you. Guys, we can only do one thing at a time. I mean, just we focus on one thing. All the ladies are going, yeah, I know that's right. And ladies, you may be able to juggle two or three things, but here's the deal. All of us have limits because God designed us to live within limits. And when we push it to the limit, when we go and there's no margin for error, our lives and the people around us suffer. And, and then the amazing thing in America is little Johnny's life begins to impose on my schedule. He's in basketball, soccer, karate, piano lessons. He's in the band. And, and, and if it, somebody were to come to you and say, do you enjoy all those activities? You'd say, no, and I really don't have time to talk about it. We don't even enjoy what we're doing. So reducing margin is not a strategy for success. Increasing margin is. And that's what we're going to teach you over the next four weeks. We're going to teach you how to have margin in your, in your time, in your money, um, we're going to talk about sex in a few weeks. Good thing my parents aren't going to be here that day because I'll probably embarrass them. Um, not anything they've done. It's, you know, they just... Can we, can we interview you on your... Never mind, never mind. We won't go that way. Um, so what we want to do is we want to increase the margin in our lives so that when errors occur, it's not catastrophic to our relationships. So let's look at God's design. Let's see what our Creator has to say about margin. Because if you do things God's way, it will lead you to this buffer, this margin, where you can have peace, where relationships can flourish. Um, In Exodus chapter 20, if you have your Bibles, you may want to turn there. Exodus 20, we have something referred to as the Ten Suggestions. Right? No, it's the Ten what? Commandments. And do you realize what God was doing here with these commandments? God is defining margin for us. He's showing us the limits. And the first four commandments have to do with how you can have margin in your relationship with God. And then the next six commandments deal with how you can have margin in relationships with people. So let's look at what God says, commandment number four, and let's see how this applies to margin. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 10. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days a week are set apart for your daily duties and regular work. But the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any kind of work. This includes your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. Who all does it include? (laughs) Everybody that's breathing. Nobody is supposed to work during that, six, that, that seventh day. Now, Oprah has this deal where she tells ladies all the time to remember your spirit. 
She says it all the time. just drives me nuts. Because what she's talking about is get in touch with your inner self and whatever your inner self says, do that because that will bring the maximum happiness in life. No, 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 no. She's got it wrong. God says, do what I tell you to do. Remember your soul. And he's saying that you can't live the type of life you want to live. You can't have maximum potential. You can't reach your maximum potential if you are living marginless lives. So God says there's got to be at least one day a week where you are restoring your soul through worshiping God and hanging out with your family. At least one day a week. And, and God says, you want to do it my way? Things will go well. And if you don't, things will go poorly. Um, you probably don't know what I have here. Um, Drew, put up that uh, picture of the metronome. No, not the metrodome. The metronome. <laughs> Y'all caught that good. Now, this is an old-time metronome. This is what I had when I was a kid. Mom plays the piano, and she's played in church for years. My sister took piano lessons. I took piano lessons. And see this, that little weight there? What you would do with the metronome is the further up it goes, the slower it goes back and forth. The, the lower it goes, the faster it goes. So there would be tempos listed on the music that you would be practicing. Well, me, being a guy, I, I like to slide that sucker down to the bottom where it's going just as fast as it would go, and I would see if I could play my music. And it wouldn't be long before my sister, this was about when I was in sixth grade, so sis was um, quite a bit older. She was, she's seven years older than me. She would have been a senior in high school, freshman in college. And sis, sis is not a patient woman. She'd say, you're driving me crazy, stop it! Because it was too fast. Now, I want to just play this uh, metronome for you, and I want to talk about a sustainable pace. We got no sound. There it goes. Now, if you're playing a song, if you're, if, you know, you're a beginning piano student, this is a pretty good pace because you can begin to hit the chords and you got time. All right, so that's like a quarter note. If you know anything about it, that's one beat, uh, four beats per measure. This is your beat. Two, three, four. This is how I played. Lord, lift your name high, Lord, let's sing praises. I'm glad you're in my life. I'm glad you came to save us. You came from heaven and earth to show us way. Gets old real fast, doesn't it? And if I leave this on, some of you are going to go nuts real fast. You're already grabbing somebody next to you. You're already... And some of you are living your life at this pace. And God designed you To live at this pace. Yeah, somebody said, oh my. What's going to happen if you live at the wrong pace? You're going to go boom. Now, some of you are living your lives way too fast, and when your kids want to spend time with you, you rush into their presence, wild-eyed. You got one minute. Make the most of it. And your kids are going, you're nuts. They wouldn't say it because then you really would have a nuclear explosion. But they're thinking, no way. There's no way you can have quality time without having quantity. 
You don't schedule quality time. You may schedule quantity, and somewhere in that massive quantity, there's two or three minutes of great quality time. But it happens during the rest period. It happens during the margins, not at your high-stressed pace of life. And that's why we grow apart in our relationships, because we are trying to live in a way that God says leads to disaster. The longer you go without a time of rest, the crazier you will be and the more distance there will be between you and the people you really love. One time in the New Testament, a man came to Jesus and he said, he was trying to trick him. This is the the kind of ironic thing about this story. He was trying to trick Jesus and he said, what's the most important thing in the Bible? Well, Jesus was way smarter than him and Jesus didn't get tricked. Well, look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22. Verse 37 through 40, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the other commandments and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So Jesus basically says, You want to know how to succeed in life? The most important thing in the Bible. Boil it all down. What is it? Two things. Love God with everything you are, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love people, love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. Think about that. If I'm to love God with everything that I am, heart, soul, mind, and strength, that's going to take time. And I don't have time. Love my neighbor like I love me? you got to be kidding. I'll fix myself brownies and ice cream with chocolate syrup and caramel. That's what I had last night. <laughs> I'm trying to, I told you, I'm trying to get ready for this cruise. It hadn't been by pumping iron, it's been by doing this. I'm just getting ready. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'll do a lot of stuff for me. Jesus says, I want you to love other people the way you love yourself. That's going to take time. I don't have any time. Jesus says, you can't follow me without margin. Jesus gathered his disciples together right before he left the earth. He'd he'd been crucified on the cross. He'd been raised from the dead. He's about to leave. And he gathers them together and he goes, Okay, guys, it's all in your hands now. I want you to take what I've taught you and teach it to everyone everywhere. And they're going, That's going to take time and money. How are we going to take this message all over the world? That's going to take time and money. And Jesus says, You can't follow me with no margin. And some of you thinking... God, you just don't understand. I don't have time for God. And God says, you don't have time? I can create time for you to have with me. How much time do you have after a heart attack to lay flat on your back in a hospital room looking at the ceiling? you got nothing but time. God says, time's not an issue. I can create time for you to have with me. You discover that, that the world really does keep on going without you? Because, guys, we get in this whole production mode. See, we're pursuing our wives until we get our wives, and then it's like, well, I got her, and so then you move into this production thing. You, you, You move into provider. I'm serious. This is what we do. We become provider. And I got news for you guys. Your wife and your kids don't care how much money you've got if you've got no time for them. They don't care how nice the house is. They don't care how nice the toys are. If you got no time for them, they don't care. So the things you did to catch her, you need to do to keep her. Come che- I dare you to come check out dance lessons. We're going to move all the chairs when we finish today, and, and we'll have dance lessons here. It is a blast. You will laugh at the men with no rhythm. 
I mean, it's, we just laugh together, and, and we have fun. Janie and I did this last year for 12 weeks, and, and we got the same lady to come here and, and teach us dance lessons. And, um, and she loves doing churches. She loves coming to churches and, and doing dance lessons. And um, she's so excited about our group. She thinks we're a little loopy, and she's right. But um, she loves doing this. And uh, when Janie and I did this for 12 weeks, it became the most special time of our week. We looked forward to it. It was date night. The kids, you know, we would have to do something with them every time. We provide child care for you while you're here. We pay for it. I mean, you got no excuse. <laughs> and it's a blast. And we'll have dessert afterwards and, and sit around the table and, and do small group. Um, but some of you go, man, I don't have time. And, and I'm just saying, when tragedy strikes your life, you'll suddenly find that you have time. Tragedy, got pain that God allows to come in your life drastically reduces your wish list. All of a sudden, the pursuit of that goal doesn't matter. You know, you hear a lot of times professional athletes, somebody will die on their team and they'll say, man, it really puts the game of baseball in perspective. Something happens, it, it reduces your wish list. And, and some of you go, man, you want me to date my spouse? I don't want you just to date your spouse. I want you to date your kids. Not only do I not have enough time for that, I don't have enough money. Well, let me tell you that, that the basic divorce, basic divorce, no kids, no division of assets, costs 2500 bucks. Got that laying around? And I think that's a piece. Everything you add to it adds money. You don't have, you don't have enough money. You don't have a mon- enough money not to date your spouse and your kids. And it doesn't cost a lot of money. That's, that's what we... Anyway, you can pay a little now or you can pay a whole lot later. You think you don't have time to date your kids? How much do you think it costs if your teenage daughter gets pregnant and has a baby? Now, it's been seven years since we had a baby, and it was about three grand back then. That's if nothing goes wrong. (laughs) You got that laying around? You do not have time not to have time for your family. I just can't do it. It's what some of you are saying. Man, you're just putting too much on me. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 11, 28, and 29. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Come to me, all of you who are weary. Anybody weary today? And carry heavy burdens. Anybody carrying heavy burdens? You just feel like your shoulders are, are buckling because you can't carry the load? Look what Jesus says to you. Take my yoke upon you. He says, let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle and you will find rest for your souls. Do you know why you're weary today? It's because you've been living your life with no margin. If the spark has gone out of your marriage, it's because you haven't been doing marriage the way God intended for you to. Because God will lead you to margin and relationships flourish in the margin. If you neglect a fire... What does it do just naturally? No, no, I mean in your fireplace, not, not one in the backyard. It goes out. If you stoke those flames and continually give it fuel, what happens to that fire? The reason the passion has gone out of our marriages is quite honestly due to neglect because we don't have enough margin. I guarantee you when you stoke those flames and the way you do it is through time, Passion comes back. Because there's this natural ebb and flow. You know, it, it's like there are certain times in your business, you know, if, if you take that, that metronome we showed you, 
and you invert it, you know, it's like a pendulum. There are times that your job is going to demand that you swing over to this side and you spend a whole lot of extra time. But why do your kids like you on vacation? Because for at least a time, you've swung back to the other side and you're doing nothing and they got your undivided attention. We go on at least one family vacation every year and we do at least one thing, just Janie and me, for the sole purpose of stoking those flames. For the sole purpose that we want our kids, when they get to be teenagers, he's almost there, so they don't lose their minds. Because here's the deal. I was a youth minister for 19 years, and the teenagers who required the least amount of discipline to get them back on track were the, were the kids, when they were younger, who had spent the most amount of time, undivided attention, quality, quantity time with their parents. It takes a whole lot less to get them back on track. But I dealt with kids all the time who'd gone over the edge because their parents had no margin, they had no margin, and they would tell you, my parents don't love me. I'd talk to the parents, of course we love them. But somewhere along the way, they're speaking different languages, and that child never felt love. And so they'll go find somebody who will love them in a way that they feel. Well, it's time that we stopped that progression. We just want to draw a line in the sand and say, we're going to be a church that ministers to families. We're subsidizing even the, the ballroom dancing lessons so that you can come and afford it and have fun with your mate. Because probably, if there's stress in your marriage, you hadn't laughed a lot. Janie and I, one of the things I loved about her, besides her big blue eyes I talked about last week, was she has a sense of humor. Because when life gets hard, if you can just laugh, boy, it sure makes things better. And in fact, in counseling, when you're dealing with somebody and they can't laugh, it's extremely serious. If someone can laugh, even in the midst of grief, if you can tell a funny story about someone maybe that, that's passed away, and they can laugh and remember those things, they're going to get over their grief. But if they can't laugh, they're not. It's because we've been living lives with no margin. What we're looking for is a sustainable pace. When, when you sign up, a lot of you have already told me you want to work on the building. When you sign up for that, we want a sustainable pace. Because that building is not worth it if, it if it affects your marriage or your relationship with your kids. It is not worth it. And that becomes contrary to the stated mission of our church. So I'm not going to be there every day. You better not be either. We want to be able to sustain it. We found out last week, we did a little survey, and we found out that 70% of our folks have less than five meals a week with their, with their families. And then even more frightening than that, we found out that half of you, 50%, have a date with your spouse less than once every three months. Today's the day that stops. For the sake of your marriage, for the sake of your family, for the sake of the church. If you have your registration cards, I want you to fill that out, please. 